Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. You are enough. Empowering women of faith. Welcome to a special hour with Maria Chaleos, KSL personality and host of the Organization and Motivation podcast, Let's Get Moving with Maria. Find it now on the KSL News Radio app. Here's Maria Chaleos on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Joining me today is Dr. Susan Madsen. She's a professor of leadership and ethics at Utah Valley University, also the author of several books, and you've published more than 100 articles, so we know that you've got all the research background for this discussion. And you are also, I need to mention, the director of Utah Women and Education Initiative and Utah Women Leadership Project. Yes, so I am. You have done a lot on this subject. So first of all, talk about why you think women are just so hard. Why are we so hard on ourselves? There's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, one of the things, and, and I teach and, and speak and have done research on confidence, and, and a lot of the issues really re- revolve around that. But one of the issues that we've been talking about more is perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Now, women generally, not just even the, in Utah or the United States, but around the world, tend to be more perfectionistic than men. So women in general are. But there's some interesting dynamics in the state of Utah that actually therapists talk about. I've had them on panels for events. And the perfectionism is, they believe, from therapists, is even higher in the state of Utah. And when you really believe and work towards being perfect, well, first of all, what does that mean? Um, I don't know. I'm always searching for that. The problem is, is you don't know what that looks Mm -hmm. like. And so you decide that maybe this neighbor looks perfect. And so you try to be like that neighbor or your body and women and body image. And, you know, of course, we're always striving for that. And so many people, um, so much of the population uh, in the United States of women are just uncomfortable with their bodies. So that search for perfectionism in terms of looks, in terms of intelligence, in terms of those things, really never, you're never satisfied if you're always looking for that. And a lot of us do that. So talk about how that impacts women then if they have that constant pressure on them. Well, I'll tell you the confidence issue. Men and women have different elements of confidence that we struggle with. Women have lower confidence. Generally speaking, boys and girls are about the same in terms of level of confidence until between 10 and 13 years old. And during that puberty, during that switch, women, girls tend to drop confidence and they don't tend to catch up. There are things, there's a lot of research out there on things that we can do to help girls and women. The, the you know, having them in sports and athletics and speech and debate and, and uh, you know, just lots of different things can help. But those that kind of change and then all of the pressures during those teenage years um, really move women into a place where we're always searching for something better and being better. One of the things I will mention is that women who tend to graduate with associates, but even more at the bachelor's degree level, tend to have 
more confidence, more self-esteem, more voice, you know, will speak up. And we as a state um, are slightly lower than the national average on women getting their bachelor's degrees. So there's some interesting dynamics there. You've spent more than a decade talking yes. to women who have been in leadership positions. What would you say is the difference between between those women and other women? I mean, are there some defining factors? There's Oh, there's so many things. I've written books on this. Mm-hmm. I lo- uh, love it. In all of the things I could talk about, one thing I will tell you that um, really sets them apart is in terms of how they look at failure and challenges and trials. So sometimes we as women say we just need to hang in there. We need to endure to the end. We need to hang in there. But women who have really have voice and confidence and they tend to look at even failure challenges or failure or, or trials more as challenges, even with a little bit of a smirk or a smile on their face in terms of, ooh, you know, it's a challenge to climb a mountain. That's that's what, you know, but they will look at situations and say, say, what can I learn from this? What can I do? So I know this is going to be hard, but, and I know I'm fail, I have failed in this thing maybe, but what can I learn? So the element of reflection is really key in women leaders. Women actually halt themselves from being more confident because we're nervous about failing. But the research says that the more we're comfortable stepping out, even if we fail, actually the more leader leadership, but also the more confidence we develop. So that's just one of of the elements, just getting out there, you know, just taking a risk, moving forward, trying things, being okay and saying that sucks or whatever it is mm-hmm. if you fail, but doing it again is when you actually uh, can lead and have confidence and, and actually make a bigger difference, I would say, for your families, for your communities, for your churches, um, because we here in Utah and across the world, we must have more women with confidence, with voice, with energy to to just speak out and um, help other people. I mean, in the state legislature, for example, we are still way below the national average on the number of females who serve in our state legislature. And some people think, well, that's not really a problem. Well, it is a problem. The research says that states with less women serving in their state legislature, the state as a whole, has less funding given to things that women tend to care about more than men. Women tend to care more about health care, about education, K through 12, as well as higher education, social programs, poverty, those things. So take it down to a family level. What can we do at the family level to make a change and to empower young girls and women? Well, I have to tell you, I started uh, eight years ago, the Utah Women in Education Initiative. So that's going to be the first thing on my list. Of course. Um, And I've done so much research on the benefits of getting an education, even beyond getting a job. So a lot of times our research throughout the state said that most women understood that college was about getting a job, but most women didn't understand that actually there's a lot of other benefits, including parenting, you know, especially when you get those degrees at the bachelor's degree level and higher, the critical thinking, the the engagement in society, more educated women tend to vote more, donate more blood, get engaged in the society. So one of the most foundational things we 
can do, particularly in the state of Utah. So that's one. Helping in my books and research on high-level women leaders, one thing I found was that the dinner table conversations for them were empowering, very different than others, that their mothers and fathers had great conversations and let people disagree in a nice way, you know, had, um, but they told me, even the governors I interviewed, that they found their voices at the dinner table conversation. And so after this, I'm not, I don't love to cook, I have to be honest, but (laughs) after I did the research, I started trying to get my kids to the dinner Mm -hmm. table a little bit more. So very interesting things. I've just given you a few nuggets. I know we could talk about this subject for hours. Is there one note you'd like to leave people with, one message, message that you would like to leave women with? I think the more women, particularly here in, in Utah, really understand the, the issues and understand the confidence differences between girls and boys so they can raise their kids more effectively. The more we are aware, the more we are educated in our mind about these issues, the more we're empowered to understand ourselves, but also raise, and I'm not even talking just to parents, but I'm talking about educators and neighbors and church leaders. The more we understand why women should be educated, why we need women's voices, girls and women's voices, to really better our society and community, the more we're just aware of those, the better we're going to be able to serve, serve each other, serve in our community, serve in our churches. I just think that's so critical. I happen to be a very active LDS. I served a mission, and I have studied uh, LDS church doctrine for many, many years. And I will tell you, get a little teary-eyed, but I will tell you that I, I believe to my core that God needs more women who are strong, who are committed, who know in the LDS Church, if we're talking about that, who know their doctrine, so that they can help in society. And there's just so many needs right here in the state of Utah, right here in the state of Utah, yet beyond. So we as women can be prepared to really serve and lead in ways that we haven't maybe in in the past. Dr. Madsen, thank you so much. Thanks. Coming up on You Are Enough, we'll talk about women and their struggle with body image. Stay with us. Get more of Maria's strategies for keeping life and emotional health in order. Download the KSL News Radio app and listen to Let's Get Moving. Back to Maria Chaleos. Many women struggle with perfectionism, and they struggle with it every day. We're never enough. We can never get enough things done. We never look the way that we want to. And I asked Denise Druce, who's a fitness expert, to join me today. Denise is the owner of Yoga Assets. She's been a personal trainer for years. And, Denise, I first want to talk about, is this really something that you have seen? Is this a universal principle? Is this something that you've seen with all of the women that you have worked with over the years? You know, I would even say people. When you talk about being perfectionist, you know, I I think that we all have this urge to, like, do more, be more, achieve more. I think when we're talking about women, though, it is universal around body image and around the way we look. And I think we all have to really – we have a big struggle on our hands to try to fight against that and – come into the world as who we are rather than what we look like. I'm pretty certain we weren't born this way. How does this happen? I believe it's cultural. Uh, It's the way that we are raised. And it's the way we're raising our daughters differently than how we're raising our sons. And I can only speak to raising sons because I have three of them. But 
I don't worry so much if my boys' clothes match. I don't worry if they leave the house with messy hair, but I do see a lot of moms of girls being a lot more particular about how their girls look when they leave the house. What are the kinds of things you think about? What kind of messages do you try to give to women? It's all a story we're telling ourselves in our head period. It's not a physical condition that like I have this, I hate my body disease. It's all the thoughts in our head. And they've been programmed, I think, since the time we were little, look this way, act this way, behave this way, perform this way. All of the media things that we see enforce that our skin should look like this, that we should stay eternally young, we should be a certain body weight. Um, the sports that girls participate in predominantly gymnastics, dance, things that are really body focused, all led us to thinking that we're not enough and that you can never be thin enough. You can never be have beautiful enough hair or skin. People come to you to help them with the physical aspects. But what you're telling me is, boy, is, this is as much mental, if not more mental than it is it's actually 100%. about physical. It's 100% mental. It's a head game. And to illustrate that, there's an easy illustration. You know, large women that are absolutely beautiful. No doubt about and it. And they're comfortable with who they are, and that's what makes them beautiful. I know women who, well, I mean, how many women have literally killed themselves by trying to be thinner, right? And they're not happy, and they're not healthy, and thus I don't think that makes a woman beautiful. So when we start to change this story that, that we are enough, that who I am at a cellular level is a contribution to the world, then I stop worrying about the wrinkles around my eyes. Because you might see wrinkles around my eyes. You're looking at me right now. I can't see them, no. <laughs> but even if you did, you right. would still have affection for me. You would still love me. We're good friends. No doubt you about don't it. care. And, you, and I don't we've care. known each other for so but many I years. But I care what you think about the wrinkles around my eyes. And isn't that crazy? I don't care about the wrinkles around your eyes. Do you know what I mean? It is crazy. And the thing is, is that we look into each other's eyes and we see a soul. We see a being there. And I don't care if you weigh 20 pounds more or 20 pounds less, you know? And so I just think as women, if we started looking at each other and speaking to each other like that, we could really help each other. Just notice, walk down the street for five minutes and see people you know and notice how every woman immediately jumps to a compliment about how you look. That's what we do to each other, which is saying you better put on your makeup when you go out the door so that you get compliments. Right. You know, but what if we stopped doing that and just started like seeing people and appreciating people for how much help they are in the world or how much fun they are to be around or what they've taught us. You know, there's so many things that we do to contribute to the world that aren't about our skin, our hair, our weight, the clothes that we wear. This is such a tough subject because we've almost been programmed now. So this is something, it's like a habit we're going to have to change. Sure. It definitely is. And so we have to look at ourselves differently. There's also this, though. You know, maybe this is easy for me to say because I've been working out for 35 years. And at age 53, I'm in what most people would consider to be pretty good shape. Top condition. You know, yes. but um, I think that's a side benefit from the exercise. I, and I've always looked at my workouts and my yoga as I do that for my soul. I do it so I have energy. I do it so I have strength. I do it so I don't get injured. I do it so I can still participate in life activities. And I think that's a shift. If we can start to look at our workouts like that instead of punishment or 
a goal that something I have to get to, then we might enjoy our workouts more and we might do them on a more regular basis. Right. But in terms of this whole concept of being enough, I mean, the bottom line is we all are. We all are enough. We were born enough. If you're a human being and you're breathing, you're here for a reason. You, you are here. You have a calling. You have a mission. You have a role to play in someone else's life, right? And you're completely adequate. You're completely up to the task. Every thought you have contrary to that is a big lie. It's just not true. And we live with hundreds of those thoughts day in and day out. I was going to say, how do we make that shift? How have you made that shift? Because I can see that you have. For me, um, my good friend Bono, the singer, singer? (laughs) said, um, we don't have to push away the darkness. We just have to make the light brighter. And so when I find myself in that negative loop of self-talk, which we all do, we all do that, it's great when you can catch that, and then instead of stuffing it down, just, just say, oh, there it is again, that lie, that voice that lives in my head, and it's not true. And then can I replace that with something like, I am beautiful, I'm strong, I'm healthy, I'm vibrant, I'm a contribution, I'm a good friend, I'm a great mom, you know, and start, start to validate yourself with things that are true so that those lies go away. I just want to give every woman listening a big hug. I wish I could look into everyone's eyes like I look into yours and say, if you could only see yourself the way I see you, what a better world this would be. Thank you. Coming up on You Are Enough, we'll learn about an organization that works with young girls and empowers them and tells them that they are enough. You are enough. Empowering women of faith. Welcome to a special hour with Maria Chileos. KSL personality and host of the Organization and Motivation podcast, Let's Get Moving with Maria. Find it now on the KSL News Radio app. Here's Maria Chaleos on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Today we're here to talk about the struggle that every single woman faces, and that is that struggle to be perfect. And this isn't something that starts at adulthood. This starts at a very young age. And so I have with me two experts who deal with young women every single day to help us talk about this. And with me today, from Girls on the Run, board member Lydia Kluge. Welcome. Thanks for having us here. This is great. And Heidi Morton, who's the executive director. First of all, congratulations. You guys are celebrating 10 years of your program. Describe, first of all, what your program is so people understand what it is. Well, Girls on the Run is um, a youth empowerment program, and we inspire girls to be joyful, to be be healthy and to be confident and to do that we have a, a really fun curriculum which weaves in training for a 5k run so we use the kind of health and exercise and then teach them how to be confident and strong and um, celebrate their own uniqueness and it's just this um empowers them and gets them to just feel really good about themselves throughout the course of the program. How do you describe what you've seen over the years? Do women really, do young girls really need this kind of confidence building? Why do they need it? Absolutely. Studies show that girls about the age of nine, their self-confidence starts to drop dramatically. And so if we can reach them at a time when they still have love and energy and we can give them the skills that they need to keep that self-confidence, I think that is key in their success and development as women. So what is happening around the age of nine that gets women on this track the struggle for perfectionism where we're not, we don't ever feel like we're good enough. 
we we teach the girls about this thing called the the girl box and it's it's about feeling like you really need to conform and fit in and the girls start worrying about the peer pressure and are they doing the same things as their friends do they need to look a certain way or act a certain way and we try and encourage them to just feel really confident with who they are and not worry about conforming to this stereotype of what they need to be but celebrating those unique things about them and that's something that we started to look at especially with our 10-year anniversary we wanted to start focusing um, on the girls writing down the things that are their inner qualities and their inner beauty and it's not what's outside that makes us beautiful but it's what's inside and so we teach them to recognize these unique things about them and to kind of stick with that and celebrate it and not want to to conform to this particular way of being that they think they they need to um, to fit in with everybody else Um, so it was really fun we had a recent um, open house and the girls came along and we gave them a poster of writing down 10 things because of our 10 year anniversary we're focusing on the 10 that make them beautiful and unique and some of the things that girls wrote down was so wonderful they they would talk about how helpful they were as a sister or as a daughter they would talk about their love of science or math or running and a lot of them wrote down that just being crazy and weird and unique they they loved that about themselves um, at that age and so we just want to to keep that and encourage that and say yes that's great about you don't lose that you know you are unique and you know just embrace that and um, feel confident to be who you are. Right. We do have kind of a stereotypical image that we have been given to us from the media and others. Absolutely. We have um, a program lesson that's called the Love Seat, which I think is so fitting um, to talk about today. A young girl will sit in the middle and her teammates surround her. And she's in this very vulnerable position of she doesn't know what everyone's going to say about her. Mm -hmm. And all of the teammates run to her and shower her with compliments. And I think just that as a society, as women today, that's what we need to do to other women. We, We also focus with them, too, on the fact that so much of what we're being surrounded with is um, kind of marketed to us. We have a lesson where we look at advertising and we, we'll bring magazines and look with the girls at pictures for hair products or makeup and there's all these women who are airbrushed and um, you know made to look a certain way and we talk to them about is that is that real? And I think for, for women and for girls nowadays, now we have all this social media and Instagram and things like that too. We're constantly being bombarded with this kind of image of what a woman should look like, what a girl should look like. And, um, you know, it's not real. And so we break that down with them and, and talk to them about, um, you know, this, there's this strive for this unrealistic I- ideal and um, it's just not it's not attainable for anyone. And so... Studies show that around 80% of women are unhappy with their body image by the age of 17. Wow. I mean, what are we trying to prove? We are trying to reach the unattainable. Another interesting um, statistic was in Business Insider that there was a study of when you peak at certain things Mm -hmm. in life. And I thought it was interesting that people peak at age 74 to be happy with their bodies. Yeah, amazing. And so, to me, that's because says, at that point you just think whatever. Yeah. I mean, I'm wondering well, I think it's what the thought process you're is. You're healthy. 
You are happy with your healthiness. And I think if that's what we can teach these young girls, that's the key. Describe how you've seen, since you've been doing this for 10 years now, describe the change that you have seen in the girls from the beginning, when they start in the program, to when they complete your program. I think we help them try to find their voice, use their voices. And it starts very slow with just simple games. Um, also giving time for self-reflection. We'll talk about, about a lot about sharing obstacles and just giving that time as a group for the girls to feel comfortable to share what their obstacles might be. I think giving them um, the power to use their voice and for them to learn that it's okay to be vulnerable and that through vulnerability, vulnerability comes great strength. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's interesting, the power to give them um, voice. Do you feel that girls don't feel like they have a voice? I think girls often second guess themselves and um, worry so much about fitting in that they can hold things back and not be as willing to share. And so one of the things that we um, try and help them to feel is that they're not in competition with each other, but to cooperate and collaborate with each other. And I think that helps them to worry less about um, sharing things and what it might look like and what someone else is going to say. But through the course of the program, they start to feel like a team with these other girls. And you really notice that as it builds up. And I think that helps their confidence too. They're all kind of learning the same things through the program and how to, um, how to stand up to, to, you know, for themselves and each other. And as they grow in confidence, they start realizing that they're on each other's side. They're not pitted against each other, but they're working together. And that can help them to blossom into really speaking what's on their mind and, and not being scared of, of saying something that might seem wrong. And we, we give them a great rubric for how to deal with them, um, you know, when they first join the program and if if they're saying things and someone else doesn't like it and if they hurt their feelings, we share them how to deal with that kind of peer pressure and how to say, you know what, that really didn't make me feel very good. And rather than saying you did this to me and you did that to, to bring it from themselves and say, I, I didn't feel great when I heard that. And so they start learning ways to deal with these uncomfortable feelings and um, what it feels like if people don't respect what they say and they just grow and grow in confidence to say, you know what, I think this and I'm okay with saying it. And if someone's going to um, combat me on that, I know how to stand up for myself. And it's lovely to see that grow throughout the week and all the girls kind of getting on the same page um, with that so that they can all support each other. So now we just need a program like this for adult women. You realize that, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So much of what we teach in the program, you know, a lot of us that didn't have this as girls, we all say, oh, goodness, I wish I had this program when I was young because it's so helpful. And yet oftentimes we hear the coaches say they get as much out from coaching the program as the girls do from being in the program. And so it's a really fun thing for those um, adult women to take part in and see. And they're, they're learning those lessons along with the girls. Coming up as we continue our conversation with Heidi and Lydia from Girls on the Run, we'll talk about about how they do help girls feel comfortable with their feelings of imperfection. KSL is Utah's news station. We want to be available to you 24-7. Download the KSL News Radio app and keep important updates at your fingertips. Here's Maria Chaleos. 
And thank you for joining us for You Are Enough. I'm speaking with Heidi Morton and Lydia Kluge from Girls on the Run. Lydia, talk about how you deal with girls, how you help girls deal with their emotions about being imperfect. Some of the things we teach about uncomfortable emotions and that's something we deal with as children and adults we all have days where we might feel sad or angry or not good enough or let down by something and we teach the girls to get comfortable with that and that's okay you know I think so often we want to be perfect and not show all these things we're feeling inside and to be able to sit with that and feel peaceful with that and say you know what I don't feel great today or that's made me angry but I'm I'm going to get comfortable with feeling that way and then we think with the girls about well, what can you do to make you feel better when you feel like that and just get comfortable and peaceful and give them space to feel all the different emotions they feel and and that's an example of a great lesson for a child and for an adult you know a lot of these lessons do carry on um, and are important to us throughout our life. I think there's something to add, to about the mind and body connection. I know when I feel ungrounded, I like to hit the pavement, hit the road running. And there's something about that sweating, that it's so hard, it's painful, but it's just you and your body and you're out there. And you know that you're enough, that you're strong enough. So I think that our tie-in to running and character development, the two coming together, are really what's going to make a difference in the girls moving forward. Mm -hmm. What would your advice be to mothers who maybe have not been involved in your program and uh, how they empower their own daughters? I think modeling behavior is critical in that we talk positively about ourselves, that we have self-compassion, that we can be mindful of ourselves and our decisions. And I think just saying these things out loud so that our children can, can hear them. You know, that we may make mistakes, but we forgive ourselves and move forward. There's going to be great days and there's going to be hard days. And I think just teaching them to acknowledge their fears, but also let, let them go that today's going to, tomorrow's going to be a better day. Yeah, I think we as women can often be our own worst critics. And um, if we can change the way we speak to ourselves and to others and in front of our, our daughters and sons, then that will help. And I, I read a quote recently by um, the actress Kate Winslet, which I thought was really interesting. And she said, when I grew up, I never heard positive reinforcement about body image from any female in my life. I only heard negatives. And that's very damaging because then you're programmed as a young woman to immediately scrutinize yourself and how you look. So she said, now I stand in front of the mirror and say to my daughter, we are so lucky. And she looks at things to be grateful for. And I think when we do that and we speak positively in front of those around us, we can give them the, the strength to see that all the positives that women have. If we look at things to be grateful for, that, that we have our health, that we're strong, that we can go out and do things, then it just changes the mindset to, to rather than look at what we don't have and to criticize our, our failures or our shortcomings, to just flip that on its head and say, well, look what, look what I have got to be grateful for. And that can just be a really good mindset to, to be in. And I think women's strengths can also be our greatest downfalls. I think as women, we know what we're capable of, and we just set out to achieve it. 
And I think since we are good at love, nurturing, support, service, that we can have a tendency to give that all away and do too much and too much for other people. And so I think it's just being mindful in remembering that you need to be your best friend, your best advocate, and love yourself first before you set out to achieve all of the other things in your life. And, and women are often such good advocates to other people. We're so good at saying to our friends, you so can do true. that. You're saying to our children, you can do that. You can achieve that and get behind them. But if we can also do that for ourselves, and so we need to... You know, that's that little voice inside us that has those questions and says, can you do this? And we need to uh, overpower that with feeling like, yes, we can. We're stronger than we think we are and focus on all those inner characteristics that just make us beautiful and enough. Thank you so much to both of you.